Luke chapter 4. Let's release our faith today. Father, thank you for this time together, and we thank you for your word. Lord, your word that's alive, that's a lamp unto our feet. We thank you, Lord, that your word, Lord, changes us today. We purpose to be doers of the word, not hearers only, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke 4, let's read in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Who would say with an uplifted hand, I would like to be, I want to be more like Jesus. Jesus' custom was to go to church. So you're doing really good today. Jesus, as his custom was, he went to the synagogue and he stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it to, again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's sons? Is it not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You were surely saying to me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Truly I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, which is Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Eliseus, which is Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. Notice verse 28. And they, all they in the synagogue were happy at the good things Jesus had spoke. (laughs) Notice this. All they in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, were filled with wrath. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill where the city was built, that they might cast him headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. You know, Jesus was a preacher. A lot of people think Jesus was just meek and mild and, and he just taught and, you know, like we see the Beatitudes, blessed art thou, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. But yes, he was a great teacher, but he was a preacher. Yeah. And the Bible says his word was with power. Yeah. <clears throat> so I want to talk about the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. 
and also the purpose of the gospel, but the power of the gospel. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, in verse 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Other translations say that he might paralyze the works of the devil. You know, Jesus didn't come just to give us a, a nice code of ethics. Jesus didn't come just to show us how to, to be nice. You know, when you talk to people, do you know for sure if you go to heaven, well, I'm, I've, I've been a good person. I've been nice. I do good works. I mean, it's amazing. I give to the Red Cross. You know, just all kinds of things, you know. But Jesus didn't come just to give us a nice doctrine or a new teaching. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. In the book of John, we find that out. But notice here he said, Jesus was manifested for what? One reason, that he might destroy the works of the devil. I don't know about you, but I once was bound. I was bound by the works of the devil. And the Bible talks about those in darkness saw a great light, Isaiah said. And so when we're in darkness, uh, Ephesians 2 says that we are under the influence of the evil one. Whether we like it or not, every person that's never been born again is influenced by demons. They're influenced by the devil and they're held captive by him at his will. That's why the Bible says that the, the enemy, he goes out seeking whom he may devour. Well, he's not seeking sinners. He already has them. But that's why as a believer, what is, what is Peter going to say? Whom resist steadfast in the faith, in your faith. So what do you, how do you have to resist the enemy? With the word. How do you resist him? With the sword of the spirit. I mean, you, don't show any mercy to him either. I mean, you take that sword and you just cut him up one side or the other. It is written. The Lord said. Amen. Then you just clean it off so you can do it again. And so Jesus did all this as our substitute. And the gospel is good news. Everyone just say that one time. The gospel is good news. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people, I, I don't know what they're preaching, but it's not the gospel. Now, the gospel is good news. What's it going to bring? It's going to bring, even if the Bible, and the Bible does, bring correction. How many know that we need to be corrected? Yes. Well, even in correction, the Lord brings the balm of Gilead. You know, you know if, if I'm wrong, I want to know about it. You know, what if somebody rides up beside you going down the road and you think, who is this crazy person? And they're just trying to tell you, hey, your, your left rear tire is flat. <laughs> you know, of course, a lot of vehicles now that it tells you all that. And, um, hey, this is happening. Hey, you, you forgot, you know, the gas cap or, or whatever, you know. Don't you like people telling you things like that? Yeah. Well, c- correction is good. I want to know, hey, you know, if you, if you make this change in your life, things will go better. If you make this change in your life, then, then you'll set yourself on the course that God has for you, and you won't keep missing it. I, you know, there's nothing that I 
hate worse than going around the mountain one more time. Well, let's just do this one more time, you know. But as they say, to keep doing the same thing over and over again to, and expect a different result is a form of insanity. Well, this didn't work the last 10 years, but let me just keep doing it again. And maybe it'll work this year. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the power of the gospel. Look at 1 Corinthians 2. Many people are in church today, and for a lot of people, and I say this, give people the benefit of the doubt, a lot of times people just have never heard. Just like the first 15 years of my life, I never heard the power of the gospel. But a lot of people, it's a way, you know, just to salve their conscience and and hit the time clock of church, and well, I went to church today, and I did my duty. But no power Nothing that changes their life. But notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words a man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Does any, uh, anyone have an amplified? You do. Thank you. Listen to what the amplified says. Verse 4, and my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive, enticing, and plausible words of wisdom. How many know that Paul was a great speaker? He, I would say he was a great orator. He was a great writer. But he said it wasn't just in persuasive and enticing words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. A proof by the Spirit and power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions, and thus persuading them, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, human philosophy, but in the power of God. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith should stand in the power of God. We need faith not just in the Word of God, but in the power of God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. (laughs) There should be a demonstration. There should be a demonstration of the power of God and the Word of God. For some people, the only demonstration they know is someone picketing, walking with a sign. You know, stop this, stop that. But the demonstration of the power of God is the demonstration that we need in our life. The Bible says that God confirms His Word with signs following. I heard a minister sharing this story. He said that he was pastoring a church. And as he was pastoring, he, he was crying out to the Lord, Lord, I want more signs in the church. And so he fasted three days, said, Lord, we need more signs. We need more signs. What was he trying to do? He was working on the, the sending end. Well, how many know there's no problem on the sending end? There's problems on the receiving end. 
God saved somebody. Well, as far as God's concerned, he's already saved everybody. They just have to receive it. And so he's saying, Lord, we need more signs. He said, preach the word. He said, and so basically he said, Lord, that's what I'm, I'm talking to you about. I'm trying to get you to do it. I'm preaching the word. <coughs> so the Lord said, examine what you're preaching. And so he said, he looked at it. He said, to my amazement, I was preaching 60% word. He said, 30% unbelief. Just unbelief and just tradition. He said, and 10%, or no, 30% unbelief and 10% tradition. And so he said that he was, um, he said he was praying about it. And he said he was laying everything on the altar. I think this was a different time he was praying. He said he was just laying everything on the altar. And um, when he said that getting rid of that 30% was easy, that unbelief, but he said that tradition that was hard to get rid of. Just tradition. The Bible says traditions of men make the word of God a non effect. Why? Because we, we do it that way. That's the way we've always done it. And so he said he's praying one time. And uh, as he's bringing this up, he said, you know, it's hard to, to, to say things in the spirit in our natural language. And so he's trying to convey that. But he said... He's praying, and he says he sees something that he pulls it out of his spirit and just sets it on the altar and saying, Lord, you know, I want your power. I want everything that you have for me. He said it looked like a rusty old tin can. He said, dear Lord, what is that? He said, that's some of your Baptist tradition. He said he was praying more, and he said he, he, he was praying. He said it, was, it looked like an old boot like an old work boot. He said, Lord, what is that? He said, is that some of your Pentecostal tradition? You know, some people that, that are filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues, you know, we love every group of people, no matter if they're Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, Catholic, what, whatever group they're affiliated with, if they're genuinely born again, they're a part of the body. And so... But a lot of people think because they speak in tongues and they're filled with the Spirit and they run and, and dance that they don't have traditions and they can have just as many traditions as anybody else. Amen. And so what God confirms is His Word. So if you need more things confirmed in you, I don't have things confirmed in the, in the Bible. Well, put the Word in you. Put the Word in you. Speak the Word. Live the Word. Overdose on the Word of God. That's right. <clears throat> Notice what Paul said in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Forgive me if I preach and respond today. I'll, I'll make up for the rest of them, everybody. <laughs> Romans 1, verse 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It is, it is written, the just shall live by faith. So what is the power of God? The gospel, which you can also say good news, which you can say the word. Yeah. 
the gospel is the power of God. What? Unto salvation. Now, this word salvation is an interesting word because what do most people think when you say salvation? That you're going to heaven, that you're born again, that you're saved. But that word salvation, some of the different words it means is wholeness, soundness, preservation, healing, protection. So salvation is an all-inclusive word. You know, it's amazing to me. A lot of times people think, well, you know, I don't believe in that healing stuff. I just preach the gospel. They don't even know what they're saying. Why? Because healing is part of the gospel. (coughs) Healing is part of redemption. See, people just think that the only thing that happened, that Jesus, he died on the cross, and the only thing that that meant is we're not going to hell. Thank God we're not going to hell. I don't know about you, but I'm not going. But, (laughs) but, (coughs) But it's a lot more than just that. Look what Acts 10, 38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So notice, he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with power. So our words ourselves should be full of power. Our life should be full of power. You know, something that's kind of humorous I was thinking about, talking about how God confirms his word with signs following and, and how this minister, I said, he was praying and saying, God, show us more. And he said, preach the word, and I will. You know, I think a lot of teaching, whether it's on Christian TV, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a message you hear from anywhere, I think they should have spiritual nutrition labels. Spiritual nutritional labels on there. And just like like Brother Hagin said, he said that he was preaching 60% word. If we looked at the, you know, I don't know who would do it. I don't know who would be the one responsible to put these labels. But if you look at the the DVD or you look at the the message and you look and it says 50% word. 20% 20% unbelief. 20% filler. O's, hums, hallelujahs, glories, and, and, and you know, just, just filler. Maybe 10% doubt and tradition. Like I said, I don't know who would do that, but... And, you know, don't think that just... Everything, you know, one, one thing we endeavor to do is preach the word. But I don't stand up here and say that every word that I've ever had come out of my mouth is 100% word of God, faith, nourishment. We all wish. Yeah. Why? Because sometimes our own thinking can be filtered in that. Yeah. But that's why we have to stay in the Bible. So he says that Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So today, whatever you need to be free of, you can be free. Whatever it is. 
you know, one of the big things we should be free from is sickness. Yep. We just read that scripture in Acts 10, 38. Notice what he says. How God anointed Jesus the Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing. All that were oppressed of the devil. Do you know that from this verse, sickness is satanic oppression? It's satanic oppression. The Bible says in Luke 13, verse 16, the Bible talks about a woman with a spirit of infirmity. A spirit of infirmity. It's the only place in the gospel accounts that talks about this woman is Luke 13. <clears throat> she was bowed over what we might call arthritis or something like that. She can no wise lift herself up and, and, and she's in that place. And of course, she's in church and what do they say? You can't heal on the Sabbath day. But here's the problem. There was no other day they were going to heal either. You want to ask, what, which day is your healing meeting? There was none. They, ha they had no other healing meeting. Jesus called them hypocrites. Yeah. You're the blind leading the blind. You know, if, if you have a, a cattle fall in the ditch, would you not pick him up? And so Jesus, when you read this passage, Jesus likened relieving cattle in distress to healing a person. He says, ought not this, this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loose from her infirmity on the Sabbath day? Yeah. I think Jesus did it just to make them upset, but also to heal the woman. Yes. Remember the man that was, that was um, in, the, in the temple? And Jesus said, Stretch forth your hand. And he said he stretched forth and became whole as the other. And, and Jesus looked around and, and, and read that passage sometimes. He was not nice about it. And anyway, he healed the man. Just like this woman here, sickness is satanic bondage. And that doesn't mean that people are full of the devil, but there's nothing good about sickness. So sickness is satanic oppression. Sickness is satanic bondage. Job 2.7 says that Satan struck Job with boils. So who did that in Job's life? Satan. You know, a lot of people think that, well, you know, poor old Job. And Job said this. He said, said that the Lord did certain things and blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord's gives and takes away. But the Bible said he did not charge God foolishly, but he was not right about that. He, he didn't have any revelation about the devil at all. And so he thought that God was doing this to him. But, you know, as we see, the Bible is progressive revelation. That means that the, the more we get into the Bible, the more we learn, the more we, till we come to the new covenant. And then we see the gospel accounts. Then we see as we get further and further and further, then we learn more and more. The Bible also says that sickness is a thing of Belial. What does that mean? It's a thing of de the devil. You know, when you think about it, and, and we're going to teach about this, and maybe, maybe if we have a, a day in the healing school that um, if, if I get a, maybe one shot at it, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but you know, sickness... <clears throat> 
one of the things that we can understand about God's original plan, His original plan is the plan that we, we should know that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Yeah. And God's will in creation, if you look at it, what happened is he it said that, that God created, he saw that it was good. Mm-hmm. He created this, he saw that it was good. Mm. He did this, he saw that it was good. But here's the question. On what day did God create cancer? Yeah, that's good. He didn't. Yep. And, and the Lord said, pray that, that his will on, in heaven be done on the earth. So sickness and disease was never a part of God's original creation. So we know that it shouldn't be a part of, of, if it is, then God changed his mind. If it is, then God, you know, he, he, he changed and he swapped with the devil. But sickness is a thing of Belial. The, the thing about the gospel is the gospel is the great exchange. And I want to give you a couple of things here. The gospel is a great exchange. You know, a lot of people, I mean, this is such good news when you understand uh, what the work of redemption actually is. When you read through the Old Testament, there are so many wonderful types and shadows. What does that mean? A type is, is showing what's about to come. What's going to come, is, it paints a picture uh, when we read, the, for instance, the Passover lamb in the book of Exodus. That Passover lamb is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Why? Because that lamb, you're supposed to eat that lamb and you're supposed to eat it in haste. And that was when the, the, the Lord was taking them through to the other side. Uh, and we see that they put the blood on the doorpost. That sounds like, like Jesus, Jesus' blood. And it said that they had to eat the lamb. They couldn't go until they had the lamb within them and the blood upon them. So they had to have the blood and the body. That's why communion is so important and so vital. So the gospel is good news. The gospel is a great exchange. And and like we said a few weeks ago, it's the greatest emancipation proclamation ever on the face of the earth. I mean, Abe Lincoln had his, but the, the gospel of Jesus is the best. That what? Man can be free. So number one, the gospel in its great exchange, number one, he took my sins that I can be free from sin. How many people preach this? Well, just people act, you know, especially in churches, they they preach to people like they're sinners. Well, just come down here and just beg God and, and you, you rotten sinner, you and, and, you know, just, you know, if you do good, if you do good and if you, you act right, then maybe one day you'll make it in. That's not what my Bible says. That's right. Come on. <laughs> my Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes. And you're a whosoever, right? Yes. <laughs> we all are. So he took my sins that I could be free from sin. Yes. It doesn't say that he took my sin 
that I have to struggle with sin. He took my sin that I can be free. What does that mean? I'm free from sin. That means I don't have to sin. But I'm also free from the knowledge of it and the guilt and the shame of it. You know, if you were to come to me and say, uh, Pastor Will, I heard what you did. You know, when you were 15, 20 years old and I heard what you did and you did such and such. You couldn't make me feel bad about it. I don't care if you brought up all the details and you said this. You couldn't make me feel bad about it. Because you're either, you're either washed or you're not. You're either cleansed or you're not. And you're either forgiven or you're not. So, so Jesus hung on the cross so I could accept forgiveness, but I still have to deal with the shame. No. He put all the shame, he put all that, nailed it on the cross. So I don't have to feel guilty. I don't have to feel any shame. Well, I know what you did, you sorry rascal. No, I, I'm, I'm cleansed. I'm free in Jesus' name. That was, that was some old man you're talking about. So he took my sins that I could be free from sin. Number two, he took my sicknesses that I may be healed. Now see, this is where people start putting the brakes on. Don't, in church. People start putting the brakes on, well, you know, you just never know. And God has a reason. Yeah, and he put it all on Jesus. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's the word for sickness and pain. Surely he hath borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. You know, when the Bible says, if the Bible said it, then we know it's true. But when it says, surely, this is the way it is and no other way. He hath borne my griefs and carried my sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Notice it wasn't for his sake. He didn't need it. Yeah, 53, 4 and 5. So verse 5 is, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You know, a lot of people will put a cross around their neck. And that's fine, you know, I don't have any problem with that. But, you know, it's, it's ornamented and it's beautiful and stuff. But the cross was not looked at like that. It, it'd be like putting an electric chair or a lethal injection. That, that's what the cross, it was for the worst criminal. So when, when, when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They knew that, that when he must have been a criminal, that, you know, he's calling on God, what did he do? They didn't think of him as, as in fact, the Bible says that when, you, when they saw Jesus, there was nothing that stood out that, that he was something special. People met him every day and walked right past him. He's not like you see in some stained glass windows where he has a halo over his head. Now, as the son, of, now as, as as the glorified Christ, he is, but but as just someone walking on the street. The Bible says in Isaiah, there was no beauty that we should desire him. And so, Jesus looked as a normal person. But but when he when he died, he died the death of a criminal. 
But notice it says, he was bruised for our iniquities. When is that? That's at the whipping post when, when, when they beat him with the 39 stripes. See, a lot of times people think, you know, when, when they, they beat him and you see the blood, they say, oh, that's, you know, that was for my sins. But it wasn't. See, I quiet against when you say stuff like that. It wasn't. Him being on the whipping post was not for our sins. That was for our healing. When they hit him, and they say that there are 39 classifications of sickness. And every time, boom, he took that. Boom, he took that. Boom, he took that. Boom, he took that. And, you know, people get... You know, if you've seen the Passion of the Christ, you see that and you see all the blood. But don't just get taken away that. What is that? That's the healing. He took this. He took it all. Now, like we said last week, if, um, if Dylan volunteered to take a beating for somebody, and we, we used that example last week, and he said, I, you know, I'm strong, I'm, I'm a young guy, I'm going to take that beating for you. Well, if he took that beating for John, and then, you know, Dylan's in a bad way for two weeks, and he, he's getting back, and he's like, oh, man, I'm just now getting back to go to work, and I'm, I'm able to take it. Well, somebody comes and knocks on John's door and says, okay, you remember you broke the law? Here's your, it's time for your beating. <laughs> what, if, what if he didn't say anything and say, well, I guess I'm just paying, paying for my, my wrongdoing. But then he says, hey, hey, hold, hold up, hold up. Somebody else got beat for me. He calls up, he, he calls up Dylan and says, hey, um, did you get beat for me? Yeah, man, I can hardly walk. I can still. And that's why the Bible says that Jesus opened not his mouth when he was beaten. It says repeatedly, he opened not his mouth. Isaiah prophesies that, but even says that in the gospel account. He opened not his mouth. Why did he not open his mouth? So you and I could. So you and I could. Just like we, we talked about in Acts 22. Remember, Paul, Paul is there and he, he's bound. They, they bind him up, got him his feet tied, and they said, okay, Mr. Paul, it's time for your beating. Well, you know, he, he, he knew some things. He said, hey. I said, Yeah. And you got, a, you got a big brute guy over in the background that all he does in his spare time is work out and crack things, you know, and break things and tear things up. He's over, kapow, kapow, you know, and he, he stops and says, hey, is it right for me being a Roman and uncondemned that you do this to? And he says, uh, hold up just a minute. And he goes over to one of the guys and says, hey, this guy says he's a Roman. And it said they went all the way to the chief guy. And, of course, then they came down there and, and you know, they, they, they make it right. And they say, Mr. Paul, you know, we're sorry about that. Um, can we get you something to eat? Sorry, Mr. Paul, can we get you some lemonade? And here, we're sorry about that. Here, let me clean your clothes up a little bit. Why? Because they knew that you could appeal all the way to Caesar. And that's what, what Paul did. 
He did that with King Agrippa. He appealed all the way to Caesar. I tell you what, Paul was an interesting fellow. You know, he appealed to him, and um, he's preaching to Agrippa, and he's preaching this. He says, King Agrippa, he gets to the end of his message, I know that you believe. You believe in the prophets? And, and King Agrippa says, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. I pray he made it in because that would be too close to, I almost made it, but I missed out. So Isaiah 53, Matthew eight seventeen says this, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So if he took my sicknesses, and that was the whole point of that, if, if Dylan took the beating, then, and, then John, if he took it in his place, then, then he needs to just speak up and say, he was beaten for me. Right. When, when the devil says, hey, you, you missed it and you need to just take this for the Lord. You know, we've all missed it, but no, I repented. The Lord's forgiven me. I'm righteous. He paid the price for me. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. He took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. I don't have to bear what he bore. And then Matthew 4, 23 People think that this, listen what the Bible says. People think that this was a side issue with Jesus. But Matthew 4, 23 says this. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Psalm 103 says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth most of my sins. You know, all the little ones, but not the big ones. All of my iniquities, who heals all my diseases. You know, no disease is bigger than another in, in God's eye. And say that. Just make that confession, and I mean, whenever the devil tempts you, or, or not tempts you, but whenever he brings something against you, yeah. you can just stand up and say, he heals all my diseases. Amen. Jesus took my infirmities. He heals all my diseases. Amen. And so we see this all through the, um, the gospel accounts where it says he healed them all. So base your faith on God's word, not experience. Amen. And so... I want to make a, a statement that's, I know it's a big statement, but it's, I believe it to be absolutely the truth. There is no blessing that God can give that's outside of Jesus and redemption. There is no blessing outside of redemption. If, if so, then, then God gave it to you another way. So everything that we have comes through Christ. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and in Him, amen. So all the promises of God are in Christ. That's why you have to get, get in the Word. That's why you have to take the Scriptures that say, in Christ, in Him, in whom, and say, that's who I am. There's a minister, uh, Mark Hankins, he said that when he was preaching, and he, he, he preached this all the time. He was 17 years old. And of course, now he's in his 60s, but he's... Uh, 
Pastor Mark said that he, he would preach that so much, they called him, called him an in-hemmer. <laughs> H-I-M slash E-R. He was an in-hemmer. Why? Because, you know, that's a good thing to be noted by. He was an in-hemmer. Yes. Why? Because I'm not depending on who I am in myself. Yeah. <coughs> so, talking about him taking our infirmities, you are just as healed as you are um, righteous. You are just as healed as you are forgiven. Let that soak in. You're just as healed as you are saved. Remember what the Bible said in Luke chapter 2. Jesus was ministering to the man. He was, uh, he was let down through the roof, uh, born by four people. They let him down. And Jesus, when he saw their faith, said, um, man, thy sin, sins be forgiven you. Now, why did he say that? Because he was dealing with the condemnation. He was dealing with the guilt and the sin consciousness. Why? Because he knew that this man was going to have to use his faith for something real big coming up in a couple seconds. What is that? What? Him getting up off of that, that, um, that bed and beginning to walk. So he said, man, thy sins be forgiven you. And, and some reason within themselves and said, who is he? Think he can forgive sins. And Jesus said, what's easier to say? Thy sins be forgiven you or rise up and walk? He said, what? Is it any harder to say that? Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the son of man hath power to forgive sins. He said unto the man, rise up and walk. So what does that mean? It's just as easy to be healed as it is to be forgiven. It's just as easy to have your needs met as it is to be forgiven. So number three, he took my poverty. He took my poverty. Hold on to your seat. <laughs> that I might be made rich. Whether you know it or not, I'm quoting verses. And rich means abundantly supplied. It means abundantly supplied. I, I don't know why people fight to be broke and, and sick. Amen. We're just preaching the gospel. You know, Paul said in the book of Galatians, he said, Have I become your enemy because I've told you the truth? Sometimes you fight. People want to fight, but hey, it's just... It's what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to, we'll finish with this. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So was Jesus rich? Verse 9. Was Jesus rich? The Bible said so. I mean, when you, when you live in the splendor of heaven, there's nothing shabby in heaven. I mean, they don't... You know, in, in heaven, they don't need to save all the bread bags, all the margarine bowls, 
You know, it's funny. I heard a minister talking about that, but we did that. I mean, we, we saved all the bowls, all the, the twist ties, too. We, you opened a, a one little drawer by the microwave, and there was like 100 twist ties. It's like, what do we ever need with all those twist ties? It's kind of like, it's like when you use the, the shampoo and, and you fill it up with water like 10 times, just trying to get the last bit. It's like the toothpaste. You roll it until you can't roll it anymore. It looks like a toothpick, and you're trying to get that last bit of toothpaste out. I think the Lord will bless you to go get another thing of toothpaste. <laughs> so look here. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes. Notice it wasn't for him. He didn't have to do any of this for himself. For our sakes, he became poor. That we, through his poverty, might be rich. You know, that's a Bible word. I mean, I, I preached that a few months ago and someone walked out right when I said that word rich. And I was like, that's a Bible word. Don't worry, they never came back, so I don't know who they were. But he says, yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might be rich. So what is this? This is the gospel. This is the good news. And the gospel is the power of God. So don't take, just don't take your theological scalpel out and say, you know what? I'll take that save part, but I'm going to take the healing part out. I don't need that. I'll take the, the, the abundance out and don't need that. You know, some people claim to be full gospel, but they're only like quarter gospel. I'll just take a little bit. It's like the little girl that came to church one time. She said, you know, she just had the, the, the cover of the book of the Bible. And, and the pastor said, um, said, honey, what's going on? Uh, you only have like the cover of the book. She said, well, pastor, whenever you preached and you said this wasn't for us today, I tore it out of the Bible. And uh, all I have is this left today, and, I'm, and today I plan on getting rid of this. <laughs> I know that might be a little exaggeration, but it shows the way um, some people preach the word. Amen. So notice this. Many people, they've taken the forgiveness part. Some people have ventured off and they've taken the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But they haven't taken the healing part. And people haven't taken the power. The Bible says in Deuteronomy that it's the Lord that gives us the power to be broke. You know, we don't need any power to do that. He said it's the power of God that, that is the blessing. The power of God to make us rich, to be a blessing. And if you don't like that word rich, just say blessed. If you don't like that, just say supplied. <laughs> My needs are met. Amen. But the gospel is the power of God. So what is it you need today? What is it that you need from the Lord? The gospel is the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Just bow your head for a moment. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for your anointing.
We thank you, Lord, for the, the gospel, which is the power. The gospel is the power of God. And we thank you, Lord, for your anointing that removes every burden, destroys every yoke today. We thank you, Lord, that you came to heal, deliver, and set free. That Jesus, you came. That your word says that you came to destroy the works of the devil. We thank you, Lord, that every work of the enemy is broken in Jesus' name. Every work, every sickness, we curse it in Jesus' name. Every disease, we take authority of it and we command it to be gone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. How many know it's the, it's the power of the Lord that's present to heal? The Bible says in Luke 5, Jesus was ministering and he had doctors of the law sitting by. Now, these were not what you would call faith people, people that were excited to be there maybe. Sometimes we think, oh man, everyone 100% has to be in agreement. Now, we know that agreement is important in unity, but look who was there. And it said, the, those people that were sitting there, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then the Bible goes on to talk about one man who was healed. So the, the power of the Lord is actually present to heal them, but only him got healed. I know that's bad English, but only him got healed when the power is present to heal them. Hallelujah. You know why? Because faith activates the power. <coughs> faith activates the power. The power of God can be present but faith is what takes hold of it. Faith is what grabs it. Yeah. Faith is what plugs in. Yeah. Just like you plug in, you can, all the power in this receptacle over here, all the power that's behind it, and not plug it in. And you say, I don't know why we don't have sound today. My keyboard's not working. Everything is just, I don't have anything in the mic. Hit the mic. You know, why, why don't I want to have anything? And uh, then you look, oh, it's not plugged in. How do we plug into the power of God? How do we plug into the promises of God? How do we plug into what God has freely given by faith? How do we plug in with our faith? We simply say, it's mine, I have it now. It's mine, I have it now. And so you might just be in here and you might just say, Hey, when he was talking about the, the power of the word, I'm going to take it and it's going to be mine. You, you have to make the decision in your life and say, whether anyone else gets it or not, I'm going to get it. Whether anyone else is blessed, I'm going to be blessed. Whether anyone else is healed, I'm going to be healed. Lord, if, if your word works for no one else, it's going to work for me. And you just have to make that decision. It's going to work for me. It's working in my life. It was an old song. The word is working mightily in me. The word is working mightily in me. No matter what the circumstance, what I feel or see, the word is working mightily in me. Amen. Charles Capps had that on his, his radio program. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know, the faith activates it, but I like what I heard Brother Hagin say one time. He said, 
talking about himself. He said, I couldn't heal a fly. He said, I couldn't heal the, I couldn't heal a gnat. I couldn't heal a fly's eyeball. So as we, as we look to the Lord, all we have to do is freely receive. You know, a lot of people make the things of God so hard. And they strive. Oh, God, I just, I receive, I receive, I receive, I receive, I receive. And you know what happens? They never receive. You know why? Because that was me for a long time. I would work myself up so much and I couldn't receive from God. But it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Not my, not my, my um, shrieks, not my whatever it is. And I want to encourage you. Of course, come out to every service, but come to the healing school. Because the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 4. Attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health and medicine to all their flesh. If you will take enough of God's word long enough, it will heal you. But notice what I said. If you'll take enough of it. You know, reading your chapter is, is important. Read your chapter. Read, read whatever the Lord has for you. Just feed yourself. If you'll take enough of God's word long enough, it will heal you. No matter what it is. No matter what's wrong with you. And not just the healing verses. The Bible didn't say, well, just the healing verses. But all of God's word is medicine. Say that. God's word is medicine. God's word is medicine. Amen. So whatever you need in life. If you need, uh, who needs healing in their wallet sometimes? I need healing in, you know, in your mind. Healing in every part. The word to do that. Thank you, Lord. Well, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. The power of the gospel. Thank God that we don't just have a, a set of rules and regulations with no power. Speaking of power, prayer is the power plan of the church, someone said. Someone said this, that, that prayerless people misrepresent God. And so we want to represent God right. And so what do we need to be prayers. And so I shared this, uh, what was it, Wednesday night, I think. Prayers, people who pray, have previews. That's right. Come on. If you're a prayer, you're going to have previews. That's right. Just like Jesus. You remember Jesus, is that he prayed all night long? And then he, had, he obviously... Not because he was a son of God, but because he was a man. And he prayed just like he prayed all night long. So if Jesus needed to pray, then we need to pray. And he had glimpses and he knew that he was supposed to choose those 12 disciples. So he had previews. And so I know that right now I'm, 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 I'm grabbing as hard as I can. I mean, 
preachers used to say this, grab the horns of the altar. Who ever heard anybody preach like that? Brother Schambach used to say that all the time. Grab the horns, you know. Hey! You know, he would shout out. (laughs) But um, anyway, we're really pressing in right now because we're believing God for a lot of things on every front. And uh, it's, it's, it's too easy for the Lord to do it all, but we have to ask Him. And we need to position ourselves. And as we pray, as you know, in your personal life, if you need direction, as you pray and get in the Spirit, you provide the environment for the Holy Spirit to minister to you. As a usual thing, it doesn't usually just fall on you. Right? The things of God don't just fall on you. You know, the, the Lord doesn't knock, come knocking at your door and say, um, John, this is the Holy Spirit, and this is your direction for the next three years. Usually you have to seek.